kick? All right, cool, man. Well, let's do it. So welcome to Something to Do, a podcast devoted exclusively, but not really, to discussion <laughs> two of our favorite bands, Who's Your Do and The Replacements. Each episode will be nerding out about all aspects of two of the most influential bands in the pantheon of American rock acts. I'm Jude, and this is my co-host, Craig. What's up, Craig? You mean whenever we mention something that's not Who's Your Do Replacements, you don't edit it out? Because I don't listen to these back. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just assume anytime I mention anything that's not related, it just gets cut out. Yeah, I just cut it out. In fact, this entire episode is going to be on Beaster, but we're just going to secretly record it and share the conversation between the two of us, and we won't even be releasing it to the public. It's not exclusively about who's going to do. That's true. Yeah, this is this is a bit. Of, we got some offshoots. We got some. Well, by the time I guess to kick into what's new. Yeah. Um. By the time you're hearing this one, you will have heard our uh, interview with Scott McCloud uh, from Girls Against Boys, Soul Side, New Wet Kojak. That was a really fun conversation about the replacements. Yeah. And then we actually, because this is going to be in the can uh, for at least the summer, we're like on a, a bi-weekly basis. Yeah. We were just discussing uh beforehand like we have everything mapped out so you'll hear from us a lot more in the next couple months which i'm thrilled with because yeah. uh i love i love doing this show and uh hanging with you and just talking about this stuff because can't talk about it on where it went yeah <laughs> maybe <laughs> once in a while it comes up um same yeah we're gonna be uh for us pretty active this summer yeah so that's some good news and i know we talked last time about um you know record store day just happened yeah god now it was like almost a month ago the replacements had something Mm -hmm. um bob's got his tour yep which i'm really excited for that uh will be at the end of september for us in philly so we'll have to maybe do an episode like a show review yeah that'd be awesome you know um so yeah i'm I'm excited like it's life is picking up Mm -hmm. um i personally as of this haven't been to a show yet um but i have happening yeah i have tickets for you know a couple a handful of things um you and i have some irons in the fire of our own yeah play shows that we can't talk about just yet but uh like it's it's happening yeah and um i i think after like an almost i mean by the time i go to my first show it's like a year and a half or something without a live music for me which is crazy crazy because i you know since i started going to shows i don't think i've i know i know i've never gone that long and that includes Mm -hmm. like even with having like children be born yeah and stuff um so it's just crazy. I'm, um, I'm excited. Yeah. A little, a little, you know, it's, it's weird. Cause like, and, and I hate to like, I hate to date things. Cause like, you know, this podcast will be up indefinitely. So in like two years, if someone wants to go back and listen to like, what are they talking about? But it's what's on my mind now. But like, it's yeah. like, I feel like, it's going to take a little bit getting used to like going to shows again and yeah. having that and like 
because I'm almost getting overstimulated with all these announcements and everything. I'm like, oh my God, I can't, you know. His part of me is like, was it like this before that stuff was getting announced left and right? And I'm like, yeah, I think it was. I just forget what it was like. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. And you got to kind of like, I mean, you know, where I am in my life, I got to kind of like really carefully place my bets as far as like what live music I'm going to be able to go see. I have two really young kids, you know. Um, so Yeah, and it's like, you know, now you're not really going to want to, like before, I'd be like, oh man, I'll see if I can like get on the guest list and this and that. Maybe, yeah. But maybe you know, not always. And I bought a lot of tickets, but now I think your people are even more prone to just want to buy. At least I know I am. Yeah, like to want to buy the ticket and <laughs> not be like, oh well, you know, this. Let me call in a favor from you know somebody or whatever because yeah, money is tight. But at the same time, it's like these people like Bob Mould and stuff that rely on that, like those guys haven't been able to play for a year and a half. Yeah. Yeah. It's also too, like, um, you know, something that like, I don't think either of us took it for granted, but like, it's always in the back of my mind. If I'm always like, Oh, I'll catch them next time they come around. I'm like, I mean, I certainly hope there's not another like global level event that shuts everything down again, but I'm also like, maybe I shouldn't be like thinking like that and I should just go to the show and just, that's how I am. It's, and you know, it's for me and I know not everybody is like this. Cause I'm not even, I'm going to say I'm old, but it's, I'm not even that old, but I'm just like, Oh, it's during the week. I got work. And, and it's just like, sometimes it's just like, you know what, if that's your only reason, if you have other personal reasons, sure. But if that's your only reason and you can afford to, just suck it up and go because yeah. there's so many things I regret passing on just because of like, I want to be on my couch at 10 o'clock. <laughs> right. Well, it's Seinfeld reruns again. Yeah. Which I love great. doing which that. Is great. But yeah. like, guess what? That stuff's going to be there tomorrow night too. <laughs> right. But um, yeah, so I, 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 I definitely took shows for granted. I think, I mean, I, we all did. Yeah. I mean, maybe some didn't. I know some people who like, you know, they go to, we're going to five shows a week and, uh, you know, they're going to probably pick up and, and do that, but whatever. Right. Hey, yeah. but I don't blame, like, I'm just, like I said, I'm in the, I'm in the position where it's like, if I can feasibly go, like, I'm not gonna, like, if I'm like, crap, I have, you know, insert, engagement here um obviously i'm not gonna like cancel it if it's something important something to do with my children or whatever but if it's just like oh, i'm too lazy to go like i'm not gonna let that be an excuse anymore. yeah yeah it's also wild too because like some shows are getting announced and they're like summer 2022 like they're like super far into the future yeah like i saw like that like a uh, bikini kill isn't that like yep yeah i got like, i you know, and that's one where it's like, I, I wasn't, a, I think I might've talked about on here somewhere, maybe on where it went. Like I, I was like, was never a huge fan in the, uh, in the nineties. Yeah. Just cause there was so much stuff. And you know, yeah. now it's like, you can just hear, th- it wasn't even like I disliked them. It was just like, I never owned the albums. So I yeah. wasn't, you know, but um, in like the past 10 years or so I've, come to really enjoy. So yeah, I got a ticket for that. And that's not for at the point of recording. We're in July of 2021. That's not until July of 
next year. Yeah, dang. But also too, like you got to think, cause like if, you know, streaming services obviously exist now, like at the time in the nineties, when I was like buying CDs with like my allowance and stuff like that, I had very uh, finite resources. So like, I'm just picking up, you know, what kind of catches my attention or people like encourage me to listen to or something like that. Um, taking, taking risks sometimes on things. Like if I'm like, Oh, there's like label affiliation. Like I know, I know this record label, maybe I'll just like check out this other album, but but it's so great now is that like you get to go back and like discover all those gems that like you didn't get deep into at the time. Like right. a, and, an and atomic some... dustbin or something like that. Like I never Same. listened to that band at the time, right? But now I can listen to them all day long. Yeah. It, so that part's cool. And then you know, for me with streaming is and it's probably ideal for the artists too, is like I then I'll hear it streaming like, oh, I like this. And then I'll buy, the LP. I'll buy it. Yeah. Um, now, obviously in some cases, if stuff's out of print and you're buying used copies, I mean, you're benefiting somebody, I guess you're benefiting the record store or whatever, the indie store. So that's cool. But like, yeah, so many things have like fallen under, under the radar. Yeah. Where you're like, I should have loved this. I mean, look, we talked about the posies, right? right. Exactly. Like that's one of those things where like, I didn't listen to them in the nineties, but then being able to stream everything. And now I've like bought, you know, I have a couple CDs in the car. I have uh, basically all the LPs that are easily accessible. Um, And that's something that without streaming probably wouldn't have happened. Yeah. Because I wouldn't have been able to just be like, Oh, I'm going to listen to these. And I immediately was like, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in, you know? Yeah. Um, But uh yeah, so that's 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 what's cool. But yeah, shows are coming back. You know, we're gonna see Bob in a couple months, and uh, I don't know. That's it. Yeah. What we'll do you say we uh, get into the album? Get into yeah. The reason everybody's listening here to talk about Beaster. So I guess first, did you want to? Um, why don't we talk about how we? Uh, got into the uh, to this one, like sort of what, like personally, or like what it was. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then so, we do the track by track. So yeah, that sounds good. Um, so the summer I finished my undergrad, I was like really, really taking a deep dive into solo. So streaming like hadn't started yet. I was like taking a deep dive into like buying like mostly used CDs of like solo Bob stuff or I had file under easy listening. We talked, I think on the first episode about our, um, how we, you bought that CD for me at a dollar store. So love that one. So I was just kind of filling out the holes and this was the last sugar record that I got. Um, and I got it, I got it, ordered it from full circle. Um, I feel like it was a perfect way for me to finish out my sugar collection stayed in my car's CD player for like that entire summer. Um, it's just like such a brutal album. I think the artwork is like maybe the most brutal on like any Bob Husker solo, like any, anything. I just think, you know, we'll talk about this more, but it's obviously it was recorded at the same exact time as Copper Blue. Um, I just feel like it's the perfect like musical counterpoint to Copper Blue. Copper Blue is like, I know there's like, if copper blue is like a manic episode, this is like a deep depressive episode. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm with you for me. I, you know, same deal as like I had 
uh, file was the first one I got. We talked about that on the, uh, and for those who haven't go back and listen to us talk about file under easy listening. Um, and then I, I felt the same thing. I got copper blue. And I think at this point when I was buying was the early two thousands, like I had file under easy listening since it came out. And then I, I, I didn't even hear copper blue until probably like 2001, 2002, maybe like it, it was already like 10 years old yeah. because I just knew file under easy listening and you know, the Husker stuff I had, because like you said, there wasn't streaming. If you didn't, think to buy it or see it around you just weren't going to hear it you know or if someone wasn't like yo you got to listen to this i'm gonna you know burn you a cd or let you borrow it or whatever yeah and i got beaster from like amazon used for probably 75 cents or something and i think i listened to it and it didn't like i was like oh cool and copper blue really grabbed me a lot more because i believe i got both i know i said i got copper blue first but now i'm thinking it was probably within the same week or something yeah it's like i'm gonna order both of these you know and then when the about a decade ago when merge did the reissues i feel like i really dove in deeper to beaster and uh i mean what a rewarding listen it's it is it's like to me it's the most intense thing bob has ever done apart from like Zen arcade side two. Yeah. Or yeah. maybe not even apart from it's like right on par with that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of like, even like, you know, put a date on when I got this, I actually, I could, you could still get a copy of besides the like sugar besides CD. Yes. Um, and I had that before I had um, Beaster. Um, Cause I knew the version uh, the live version of JC auto that was on there. And then I got Beaster and I was like, oh, cool. Like, this isn't just like a song that they didn't record or something like that. Like, you know, they, which they had a couple things like that. Exactly. Think, right. Like, exactly. So, yeah. So, so like you said, um, we, we had decided before recording that like, we're going to take a deeper dive into the recording process and writing process for this record when we do Copper Blue, just because Copper Blue is such a big album for, both of us plus just for everybody that's a fan of bob mold the copper blue is like the <laughs> i was gonna say the gold standard we'll say the copper standard um so like as most people know this was done at the same session but we'll do like a quick high level you know catch up to everything so it was recorded so when they went to record copper blue i, I think they said they had something like close to 30 songs and uh bob was talking about how when he was going back through the masters for these merge reissues he saw like it was clearly mapped out like there was some tracks marked a and that would be copper blue and then the b songs ended up being like beaster and then of course they had a you know some b sides because they were doing a lot of singles too um with like exclusive b-sides which is awesome i love stuff like that yeah um so he, he said like very early on in the process it was pretty clear that they had two different records like it was like it wasn't gonna be like a double lp or anything like that like 
they knew like, okay, these songs are for Copper Blue and then these ones should be for something else. One of the things I found was wild is that they, so they did their first show in February of 92 at the 40 Watt in Athens, Georgia. And they actually played four of the Beaster songs, but they didn't have lyrics. So it was just like kind of ad-libbed. Like just, you know, played as like a sweet, yeah. like four songs in a row. I don't know what four songs, if somebody has that info and wants to let us know, or maybe I can do some digging. Yeah. But like, that's pretty wild. Like they yeah. just played, you know, the first show and people were apparently just going nuts. Cause it's like, cause there's some songs are amazing. Why wouldn't you? Right. But like, <laughs> it's a thing too. Like the thing with sugar that I'll touch on a little bit later is, Sugar was huge. Yeah. Like I, they weren't like Nirvana huge, but like even I'd heard of them at a young age because of how big they were. Like I remembered seeing, and I, I forget if I mentioned this in the other episode, but like in like the Columbia house, like yeah. I would get like the actual like magazines where they have write-ups and like they like had a write-up on them because you could get copper blue and stuff. Didn't and, you have um, a story about seeing? Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but didn't you have a story about seeing the G Angel video, like in Macy's or something? No, like? my brother saw it. <laughs> yeah, my brother saw it, and I didn't believe him. He's like, "Yeah, there's like cartoons," and I'm like, "Full of shit." And then <laughs> that really is the video. Yeah, but yeah, they were they were big and cop copper blue, especially like in the underground indie community, whatever was massive. It yeah. was huge in Eng it was huge in the UK. Um, you know, I didn't realize until years later that they were on creation because you know, know. We, we buy we're in America, we buy <laughs> we're in America, damn it. <laughs> Greg, you came out swinging there, man. <laughs> this is the day after the fourth of July. <laughs> they were no, like so I didn't even know. I'm like, oh, they were on creation. Because you think oh, you're gonna like the give the Bill Pullman independence day <laughs> speech right now. <laughs> This is America, damn it. We don't care their own creation. But it is crazy to think they were on a label with like the best music of the 90s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Teenage Fan Club, My Bloody Valentine, right. um, Oasis, like yeah. just so much stuff. And, you know, Alan McGee of Creation said like there was a point where Sugar was outselling all that stuff. It's crazy. Yeah. Like it was, it was, they were, they were big. Yeah. Um, and uh, so they, David, I think it was David Barbie had said that um, they were thinking maybe, well, do we do like call one record sugar and one record spice? And they, they, they vetoed that idea because like, <laughs> it was clear that like, you know, one, one yeah. album was really poppy and the other one was, you know, yeah. ended up being Beaster. Pretty One fun. of the cool things was um, that, you know, Bob didn't have the lyric. Like the music has this dark feel to it. Like say that there, say that there's no lyrics put to it. It still definitely sounds yeah. different. Um, and then he said he had a bad phone call from his uh, partner, uh, Kevin, mm. uh, while he was like recording. And he said, he's like, I don't even remember what it was about just to, you know, put me in a pissed off mood. And then he just like the lyrics kind of just, just came out, fell out after that. Like that was like what 
you know, the uh, straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah. Um, so we can thank Kevin uh, <laughs> and his phone yeah. call for, for the dark content. And they recorded it at the outpost in, uh, is it Stockton, Massachusetts or Stockton? Yeah. I think it's Stock Stockton. I don't know. Someone, someone from the area say, I think it's Stockton with Jim Wilson who did like Jim Wilson and the outpost did a lot of um, like hardcore records. I was going to say, yeah. Like uh, I think like the first have hard LP was done there. Blood for blood. Um, Blacklisted did the yeah. uh, first record, first two records there maybe. So it was kind of neat to be like, Oh, like I remember when we heard a blacklisted recording there and I, even then I was like, Oh, that's where sugar. Yeah. You know, that's where sugar recorded like one of the best records of all time. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was cool. Um, yeah. So again, because it was same as copper blue, Lou Giordano is the producer. Um, and he said, which makes sense. He said, Bob's work ethic is just unparalleled. Yeah. He was like, you know, we did two records and, less time than it takes a lot of bands to do one. So he crazy. said like Bob just was on a steady diet of throat coat tea, which is anybody who uh, has sang before knows that stuff is a lifesaver for sure. Yeah. And um, would definitely be needed when he's recording these. Tracks. Right. And uh, you know, he, so what, what happened was they did copper blue copper blue was, huge like we said especially overseas yeah and bob said he was um talking with alan mcgee at creation and he was like yo why don't we do like they did in the 60s like when the beatles would have two albums in a year he's like why don't we i have all these other songs let's do another record let's just pour gasoline on the fire like we're heating up let's keep add to it alan mcgee was of course like Hell yeah, Copper Blue's doing great. Um, and Bob mentioned how Ryko Disc, which was their label in the US, was a little reluctant. Just and that kind of shows just how different their the markets are, right? Because you figure yeah. the UK is small compared to the the US. Right. Right. I mean, pff, it's how we won the war. <laughs> <laughs> but like, um, you know, he said. In the UK, you go through there twice, and then people are like, all right, we need something new. But in the US, he's like, you, it can take you two years of touring to, to kind of hit all the spots. Yeah, they're over here, they're there. And um, he said, like, but the label, you know, because Copper Blue did so well, they were like, they were okay with it. So they set it to come out Easter time. Uh, so it came out April 93. They're playing giant shows. Like they played this Fins Finsbury, I think the fest was called, overseas with the Cure. Um, like just to massive crowds. Enters the UK charts at number three. Back when like charts, you know, really meant like people bought the record, you know. Um, and then, uh. You know, Bob says, he was like, look, I got a taste of this when Husker did our 87 tour because that was like the height of their popularity. Yeah. He's like, this sugar stuff, especially the first like two years, he's like, was bigger than Husker ever was. 
so crazy. Yeah. So it was just this massive thing. And they were, you know, they were just, he just writes so many songs. I know. Well, them playing the four Beaster songs, like without lyrics, like sounded like who's for do, right? They would always be playing, they'd be touring on the one album and then playing songs from the album after that. Right. And I watched, there's a clip on YouTube of, uh, it was like an MTV news special on sugar when they were started their cut the copper blue tour. Yeah. And Bob was like, yeah, we're already tired of these songs. He was like, we have uh, a second album in the can, which he was talking about Beaster. Yeah. He's like, we're already thinking about the third album. And that was, this yeah. was in the fall of 92. Man. Um, yeah. They just, he just has that, you know, and he's a student of the sixties. Yeah. So he, he has, I think that like the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, the Beach Boys, all those bands would put out multiple records in a year. Yeah. And uh, I mean, all the sugar stuff's great. They were only, and that's the other thing. They, they were, were only around for three, three years. years. Yeah. Which is crazy. Like if you really think about it, it's like not even because they play their first show February of 92. Their last shows were in January of 95 over in Japan, uh, which I think we talked about on the, uh, on the file under yeah. and like you got to think like they didn't even they didn't have an album until the fall of 92 right so like they really only, and they knew they were done in the fall of 94 right they just honored the uh you know the, the rest of the commitments that they had so it's like just nuts they they were just this it was like lightning in a bottle yeah yeah and they definitely like came out guns blazing that's for sure absolutely um so i guess let's get to the do the track by track. Track by track. Um, so, all right. So before we kind of officially get into these first, the first track, I almost don't differentiate the first two tracks on this. Like I, they're almost, and the the third one even kind of leads into it. But that's sort of the lens through which I'm coming at this. Okay. Um, so we'll talk more, but like you know, uh. I, I, I'm like a, like a, it's clobber in time, like just lies. Like they're like, they're two tracks, you know what I mean? But it's part of the same musical intro. Exactly. I mean, exactly. It's the, so my thing with, I guess I'll start is like come around is it's almost like a mantra. Yeah. You know, it's like, this is the repetitive thing, but I love it. And it's like five minutes long mm -hmm. and somehow it does not get boring. There's those passages where there's like the, a lot of the lead guitar yeah. um, and it's just the layers. And I love it starting with acoustic guitar. Um, and uh, I always, it, he kind of ripped, he ripped off himself. Panama city motel. Is it the I same? Like dude. always think yeah, the yeah. beginning. I'm like, wait, did the, did my, iTunes uh, go to the wrong song for it for a second. Um, so to me, that song was always almost like a continuation of come around, but um, yeah, it just kind of, you know, I, I, my notes say it, it almost lulls you into a false sense of security. You're like, Oh, okay. Like this is, uh, this is just going to be kind of this uh, ethereal sounding thing. Yeah. Um, it's very layered. Yes. Like, so it's clear, even though it's done at the same session as Copper Blue, to me, I'm like, I would never know that. No. And like, I totally, like, um, we talked about this some with like, 
maybe Sal when he was on the episode, but like, I feel like Bob's guitar playing, especially on this one, like I can just lose myself in trying to figure out like what it is he's trying to play or like to kind of hear like the different layers of the guitar parts that are on it. Like with those leads that come in on this one. Um, and I totally agree with you. Like the, you said it like lulls you in a real false sense of security, but like, I feel like it, with, with come around and then tilted, you get like this huge range of what he's capable of. You get those like kind of chilling kind of vocals, right? Um, you get that like kind of those like leads, like, and then in, I don't want to get too ahead of the presses, but when we get to tilted, you get that crazy blazing guitar solo. Um, this is like a kind of a crazy thought that I have in my head, but like if I ever had to do like a Carl Sagan-esque, like <laughs> put all this information on a record and then like send it to outer space, if there was like a have people hear two Bob Mould songs, <laughs> then like aliens will discover like what, uh, you know, music from the 1990s is like, I would like, I would pick these two songs. Well, in a lot of ways, this is like the penultimate Bob record. Yeah. Because it, it, yeah, like you said, it shows you get every side. Yeah. You get the acoustic, you get the holy shit. I just discovered my bloody Valentine. Right. Um, Which even I, I like to me, the My Bloody Valentine influence that we'll talk about later. I love it because it's almost like passing the baton back because My Bloody Valentine, uh, you know, got there from a lot of their guitar stuff from Who's Cadu and yeah. from, you know, that kind of stuff. But yeah, I, I, I'm with you. Like it, the, these first two tracks, I guess we're getting into Tilted. Yeah. I mean, really this, this whole record is, is a, a sweet, I know it's, and it's like, so it's so compact and there's like, it's, and so dense it's six songs, which just blows my mind. Yeah. And like, I saw it referred to as an album. Um, to me, it's still, it's still like kind of an EP, but maybe it is an album. I don't know. Yeah. I guess people weigh in. What do you think? Do you think yeah. it's an album? Do you think it's an EP? Um, I always saw it as an EP and then, you know, file under being the second album. Um, but you know, for a lot of people like myself and you, we first heard it on CD. So you're really just hearing it all in Straight a row, through, yeah. which was interesting getting the vinyl years later because it actually works really well too, as like two sides. Mm, I can um, see that. You, know, you get the first three tracks on the one side and then flip it over and you get the others because it almost like, well, I don't want to get too far. Let's talk about Tilted. Yeah, let's just I have some theories, but like... <laughs> As you can tell, like I, I'm very passionate about, about this, this album. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I said it a second ago, but that guitar solo in this song is like a top five guitar solo of all time of all bands for me. Um, it's Same. so it's so pissed off. Like it's so angry. Um, and then like that, the evangelical preacher, like kind of like glitching out at the end. Um, yeah, going into great. the next yeah. track. Well, the thing for me guitar, with guitar solos, what makes a guitar solo is when I can hear the, like when it has emotion to it. Yeah. Like I don't necessarily care. Like I love, I love Iron Maiden and all that stuff and like flashy guitar solos. 
But to me, I love a guitar solo like this one because I'm in the same boat. This is a top five yeah. all-time solo. Like he, Bob has that same power that um, one of the other greats, Jay Maskus, has, mm-hmm. where they they manage to make the guitar sing. Yeah, and it has this emotional resonance that doesn't always happen with a lot of guitar solos. And I had noted like this one's like the gift that keeps on giving because you get the first part of the solo where it just sounds like he's like basically trying to rip out his strings. Right. He's just trying to destroy his And guitar. then it yeah. just like gets into the more melodic, you know, some octave type mm-hmm. stuff or whatever. Uh, it just, it's perfect. Yeah. 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 And like, I com- like a completely agree that like, you know, I don't, I don't know. It's like probably not even the best, but like a Joe Satriani or like an Ingve Malmsteen or like one of those guys who would be on the cover of guitar magazine, like in the nineties. Right. Um, there's just always been something really like kind of like plastic or artificial or something like that. Right. Me, like that and I always think too, I'm like, would one of those guys like, to me, I'm like, Bob Mould is one of the best guitar. Yeah. My, one of my favorite guitar players of all time. Would one of those guys hear this solo and be like, oh, that's trash. He's doing, you know. Right. Because it's not as like technically proficient or something. Right. right. Yeah. Um, and what's nuts is if you watch videos of them doing this song, uh, he's like soloing and he still does the backup. Like it's just, it's I'm like, I don't know how the fuck he's doing it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Though? Yeah. He's like doing it. And it's just this this track to me is like the ultimate like it is one of the most aggressive songs he has ever done yeah hands down um and the the i mean everything the drumming like malcolm travis's drumming is superb you know the the, the bass playing is great yeah uh, everybody's just in the pocket um i never get tired of this song no, honestly but i would love to see him play it yeah and Looking to fill out a set list for that upcoming tour. Yeah, right? Like, I've seen – that's a funny thing to bring up. I've seen – so we saw him do Copper Blue front to back. Mm -hmm. The only song from Beaster I've ever seen live is Come Around. Huh. He did it uh, when I saw him in New York. Okay. uh, I guess after the Copper Blue tour. It was like uh, they played – he played like um, two random shows before going to Europe. Yeah. Yeah. In New York, I think it was both were in New York. And um, that was the only one I've seen. Like, I would love to see Tilted, but I can tell that song's a work. I mean, really, this whole record is a workout. Yeah. Um, especially, I mean, the way it's sequenced, it it almost like I'm, I'm doing like a graph. Like it like hits like a zenith and then it kind of levels back down, you know? Yeah. yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's like a pretty symmetrical record in a lot yeah. of ways um but or like it's like a i guess my undergrad degree showing a little bit but like um you know it's like it's like a it's like a narrative story arc or whatever like it's not like the second half of the album is like downhill it's like helping you recover from the first half of the album right because and we'll get to in a, in a minute what what i think is like the centerpiece of the, of the album. But uh, a side note too about Tilted, our friend and previous guest, uh, Jeff mm-hmm. Dean, he had a band called Four Star Alarm that 
covered this song and did a really great job. Um, and you know, Jeff like got to do the uh, got to be Bob, do the solo. So awesome. And uh, if you go on YouTube and just search Four Star Alarm Tilted," uh, I would suggest checking it out. So yeah. So last song on side one, mm -hmm. Judas Cradle. Judas Cradle. What you got? In my mind, I'm still kind of riding the wave of the first song, right? Because this still even, they like fade right into each other and they just slow the, like the tempo slows down. Um, I, 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 yeah, it's, it's great. Like, it's like, um, my only thing about Judas Cradle, and I don't want to be like negative out of the gate, was that I think in my mind, it slightly breaks the Bob rule of always put the hottest track at the third track. Um, I think this is a great song, but I think that trying to follow Tilted in my mind is like, that's that they're, that's big shoes to fill. Well, you wonder, did he, so that rule applies for a full length album, uh, but if you look at it as like, a, if you look at it as like a pie, because I'm okay. always thinking about pie. <laughs> if you look at it as like a pie, let's say a pizza, right? So <laughs> I love pizza. Um, copper blue or flip your wig or whatever. They're a large pizza. So he basically it's saying like, yo, that third slice in that's going to be the, the magic slice that has like yeah. the extra seasoning. But Beaster is a medium pizza. And one of the things I've, I've noticed as like a, a fat guy is medium pizzas. They don't cut and do as many slices. Usually they'll cut it into six slices six, instead yeah. of eight. So I, I think like, percentage wise <laughs> tilted is actually in my own twisted bastardized way tilted is the track three of this album. all right all right i like it does I that like make it. sense perfect sense yeah but because i'm with you I, and i actually remember thinking that now i thought this is like just different all around because it really is meant to be this like experienced i think all together while yes i i've put it on and just skip to tilted and played that or put it on a mix or whatever. But for the most part, I have to start at the beginning and just hear all six yeah, tracks and hear the whole album. Um, but yeah, I thought Judas cradle really good song slows down. Doesn't sacrifice any heaviness. And I, my notes say it's almost dirge. Like, yeah. Like it has this, like it's very heavy uh, on the slower side, especially coming off of a fucking, <laughs> barn burner like yeah. tilted yeah then i think well almost anything is going to sound slower but but it's good pacing too it's yeah. really great pacing on the album yeah and then like that's the end of the side mm -hmm. so and then that's great too because i guess thinking of the next song like you you flip it over right you put on side b and you get those like the drum hits at the beginning of jc auto right so to me JC auto is like the centerpiece of the record Yeah, where it's like, it's kind of leading up to this, I'm not saying whether or not it's the best song or anything, but I'm saying that's like, to me, that was like, that's like the climax. Cause it's just, I mean the whole, like, and I know when he would do it live, um, the whole, like, I look like Jesus Christ mm -hmm. uh, part, like you'd hear, like he would just fucking, go at it for like five minutes just screaming at the top of his lungs um eyes bugging out and everything yeah yeah he's losing it in this song. um it sounds and, great yeah and it's like it does it's it's 
you know, I, I was seeing both sides because it's it's a great way to start the second side if you're talking in terms of vinyl. Mm-hmm. But it's also if you're just listening to the, in a row, it's like you can kind of tell like, oh, this is the middle of the record, and it's like really, you know, just a, there's a lot going on. Mm-hmm. And um, I love that. Like it does. It sounds like something it's like this weird juxtaposition where it sounds like something that really needs to be experienced live. But at the same time, I understand why, you know, Bob, this isn't played at every show. I, yeah. I, I wonder when the last time he's played it is I'll have to maybe do some digging, but to me, I think Beaster is one of those things like side two of Zen arcade where I think it also kind of brings up a lot of muck. I can see then, that. Yeah. And uh, he, he sort of just lets that be. And he's got so many great songs and stuff that I'm not, you know, going to complain. And I get yeah. it because this song, especially to me, seems like, I mean, how do you even play songs after this? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of like, there's a lot of like some thinking about more actively as we're talking about this, but just like, kind of vague religious sort of like intonations on this, like the preacher at the end of tilted Judas cradle, like JC auto, obviously the Easter. Um, I mean, just Easter. Yeah. Easter. Yeah. yeah. It's a very, like he, t- I know in his book, he kind of talked a lot about growing up Catholic and yeah. all that stuff and the inner conflict. Um, and the imagery, yeah, it's just real dark uh, imagery. Yeah, like you said the artwork and everything kind of kind of plays to that. Yeah, yeah. So I I think I said this earlier, but the, I I had B sides, the Sugar B sides album first, so I knew the live version of it that's on that, which I think is now on the expanded deluxe. Copy. Yeah, I think it's the same live version. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I got Beaster and I was like, oh yeah. Oh, cool. Like there's like, they actually tracked this in a studio. Um, and it's um, an amazing song for all the reasons you just outlined. And there's that great story in Bob's book about, uh, Greg Norton showing up at a show in Brixton, England on when they were, so the time when they were touring in 93 after Copper Blue had been out, they would play Beaster front to back. Mm. like as part of the set to be at those shows and um i know so they're playing this you know brixton to like five thousand people or whatever it is before the show greg norton comes up and you know no disrespect to greg norton or to bob um but this is what bob wrote in the book that greg came up and was basically like yo here's the contract for the husker do live album which ended up being uh released i guess in 94 yeah because i remember when that came out um and bob was like talk to my lawyer or whatever enjoy the show and greg was in the crowd and he said when he was you know at the apex of this song screaming the lyrics he says eyes locked with him and i guess great you know supposedly greg was taken aback by that, you know, a little like, Oh fuck, he's pissed. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, what I like to know is that that was 1993. He wrote about in his book, but like, you know, 
Bob had his 40 year anniversary show uh, a couple years ago and Greg's band uh, opened up the show. So hopefully they're on good terms. Greg is an amazing bass player and just, you know, people that have been in bands, I always, you know, I like to hear that you don't like to, I don't like to hear that there's bad blood, but I get that it happens. I'm, I'm a realist. I understand that, you know, shit happens. And especially with something I think as intense as Husker do and the relationship those guys had, like you got to think 1993, the band didn't officially break up. Husker do didn't break up till January of 88. So, I mean, it's only five years. Like we had the idea for this podcast probably five years ago. Yeah. (laughs) It's not that long of a time. Yeah. Um, so luckily it seems like time has definitely, uh, done well for, for their relationship, but that's definitely a cool story. Yeah. uh, In Bob's book. So then it's almost like the weight comes off your shoulders a little bit after this one. Yeah. Um, and then you get feeling better. So yeah. What do you think about this? It's a great track. I, um, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you. This is like, this is the, um, least pissed off song on the album in my mind um i love that keyboard part my friend joe friend of the pod used to always he was he was like it sounds like blind guardian i'm not a big blind guardian guy but it always amused is that the band name yeah i guess like it's like a i think it's like a kind of metal band i don't know okay yeah it's like it's like uh it has that and then um it has like a to me it's like a beach boys keyboards or okay something. i could hear like that. like that would be on um i don't know like the sunflower album or something yeah it's definitely or, like it adds range like yeah to that. it's really great you get like there's a i always think about the same kind of like you were saying um when you hear come around how you always think it's panama city motel um i always connect in my mind that and the keyboard part in hoover dam it's very psychedelic i think that's what i'm looking for it's really psychedelic um this is one of the songs too that i guess they they recorded they recorded and oh no that might have been on i don't know i know there's story of david barbie had some difficulty nailing uh this song which there's a lot of busy bass playing on this yeah i could see that um and he ended up nailing it but supposedly that was like a point of like frustration for him was like how, you know, he would try to take over and over and over again. He just wasn't getting it. And I think he had to like leave and come back or yeah. whatever. And that can be so frustrating. Like when you're sitting yeah. there trying to track something in the studio and you just can't hit it the way that you're supposed to. Yeah, no, I agree. But it's a cool song. It's a, like you said, it's like upbeat. It's a, it's a bit longer again. Well, really that's the thing. Like there's six songs on here, but they're all pretty long Mm -hmm. for as far as this kind of stuff goes. I mean, they're not long, like iron butterfly or something. Right. (laughs) But like, it's like the songs are four or five minutes long, every song. Yeah. Like, um, and it doesn't, it's not like, again, it's not like it's like, you're not sitting there like, oh my God, will this end? But it's, you get your money's worth. Let's say that. Like you buy this, you're buying this EP. If we decide to call it an EP, right? It's not six songs in 12 minutes. Yeah. 
Yeah, just because you said that, I just pulled up file under easy listening, and like the majority of the songs are coming in under the four minute mark. Right. So like this, I'm looking at the I'm looking at the track listing. Uh, Come arounds almost five minutes. Tilted's four minutes, a little over four minutes. Judas Cradle and JC Auto are almost actually. Judas Cradle, JC Auto, and Feeling Better are all almost identical in time, They're like six minutes and change. Yeah, and then Walking Away is the shortest track at, at yeah. just over three minutes. Um, but yeah, I remember being like Feeling Better goes on like longer than you would think it goes on almost yeah. as what like i'm like but not in a bad way like not in a, a bad way at all yeah. but i'm just like i yeah i kind of forgot like oh yeah like really like you know it's kind of jammy almost mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um and then that brings us to the last track walking away walking away what are your thoughts greg um to me this is like definitely my bloody valentine influenced bob yeah. himself in the liner notes for the merge reissues said the same thing like yeah this was you know tip of the hat to my bloody valentine um it really is like the perfect way to end it i can't imagine the song live i'd be curious how it came across live yeah um and it's almost like the way it fades out lends itself to like the record just starting over like mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. remember the auto reverse cassettes yeah like, so if you had like these six songs on one side i could almost see it just like flipping over and like going right into come around yeah yeah 100 percent. like my bloody valentine in like a kind of full circle moment the my bloody valentine reunion record had that song it's like mainly just organ titled is this and yes um and when that my bloody valentine reunion record came out i was like huh is my body Valentine doing like a sugar nod here? Very well could be. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I sometimes I now like listening to it, I just because there's so much in the beginning that I really like need to hear when I put this on, I would sometimes like not even, I would just like skip this one. Um, but I love it now. Sometimes I start it with this one and then go back to the beginning. Interesting. I'll have to, maybe I'll have to play one time, do it in that sequence it is a very like soothing yeah track like it's even more subdued than come around because come around come around subdued but it like builds like like an intro yeah. like it does yeah. so, like like especially you know the parts with all the octave chords and like where it's no vocals mm -hmm. just the band kind of playing really you know tight and full mm -hmm. um that is like builds up. Whereas this is like building down. Yeah. It's like, you need that. It's like, after you see like a crazy, like horror movie or something like that. And you're like, Oh, let me just like watch an episode of curb your enthusiasm to kind of like get my exactly. head straight again or whatever. Exactly. Like, you need yeah. to listen to this song after. Yeah. That. This is like a palate cleanser. Yeah. So this is like when, uh, when you go to the Chinese restaurant and they have like the cabbage, you know, <laughs> yeah. you, ever, you ever go there? They have this, like, it's like, it's not coleslaw. But it's it? like, yeah, it's just like a cabbage and vinegar with like maybe some sliced carrot. Kimchi. And you're supposed to like have yeah. that in between uh, to clean your palate. Cool. Um, that's kind of what what this track is almost. It is like a palate cleanser because yeah. it it's a heavy ride. Yeah. So. All right. Here's the moment of truth. Yeah. So what's, what's your 
what's okay what's your top one how about let's on the count of three okay. <laughs> why don't we say them and see if it's the same okay you ready so, we'll, so this is how we'll go it'll go one two three title got it okay okay so one two three tilted, tilted. Yeah, it's tilted. Because I knew that was yeah. going to happen. <laughs> and just so people know, we did not talk about this before, but I just no. I had this feeling. Yeah. No, but we have had many conversations about the song Tilted. Yeah. It's just, I mean, I there was a part of me that leaned towards uh, JC Auto because it's just like this bombastic mm-hmm. track. It's a, I hate to say it, but it's a beast. Yeah. And even come around, like I love that. I love yeah. the whole vibe of it and the build up. But yeah, it's tilted. Yeah, I was when we were like preparing for this. I was going to say walking away, but I was like, "That's I'm just being a contrarian. That's not the answer." That's yeah, tilted, man. It's just yeah. That's to me. That I mean, honestly, tilted's probably my favorite sugar song. Yeah. Um, and it's just it's so fast and just brutal. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the best way, and in there, yeah, that guitar, the guitar solo is yeah. uh, is what puts it over the top for me, uh, for sure. That's cool. So there, we we cool we did the same one. So aligned. So yeah, that's that's really it for this time. You know, it's uh, this is a short album as yeah. far as tracks go, but we you'll be hearing from us more than. It's funny because since the other episode didn't go up, right now people are like, "What happened then?" But then by the time you hear this, <laughs> We're just gonna blast them out. By yeah. the time you hear this, you'll have heard another one, and uh, then we have another one, and we have a uh, another one after that already planned. Yeah. So. Um, we're doing so. We're actually we're at episode twenty next time. Yep. I can't believe. Right? That. Is that right? Yeah. Episode twenty. Wow. So so yeah, we're at episode twenty next time. And we're doing another little detour. Yeah. Um, so we did before. So as we talked about when we did this podcast, yeah, we could rip through the entire Husker Du catalog and rip through the replacements, but we kind of like talking and like doing this. And since everything's sort of, you know, shook up in a, like a lottery ball, you know, yeah, like out. a lotto jumbo. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, obviously we're not going in any chronological order, but even just taking these detours, we, we decided, well, let's do stuff that's tangentially related. Yeah. Enough. Like adjacent. Right. Um, so that's why, you know, we did the Foo Fighters wasting light uh, because Bob is on a song. So we were like, well, let's do something placements related. And, we are going to get to talk about one of my favorite albums of all time. Okay. Um, I was going to say, it, I was going to say we could surprise folks and say one of us has heard it before and the other one hasn't. <laughs> yeah, too but late. It would, it would I be, think people know. Obvious. <laughs> people know. People know. Uh, Goo Goo Dolls 1993 album, Superstar Car Wash, has arguably their first hit, which was the song We Are the Normal, that was uh, co written with Paul Westerberg. Um, and, uh, so at this moment, Jude, at July 5th, 7.56 PM Eastern time. So I'm, I'm dating the podcast. Yeah. 2021. You have not heard this album. Is that no, correct? But the next time you hear my voice, I will I'm, have. I'm so, see. And that was what I, I, I'm very excited then to see 
what you think. Uh, I don't want to talk about it too much now, but I get so excited because I, I love it. Um, I would say it's arguably their best album, you know, and where it went, we, we, Javier kind of taught me this thing of like best and favorite. Yeah. And this is one that to me, this is also my favorite, but I would say it's, it's almost an indisputable fact that it's their best. Okay. To the point where even John Resnick and Robbie Takak still to this day, when asked if someone never heard you guys, what would be the one to give them? And I saw an interview recently with John and he said this album, um, just because it was kind of, it does sort of represent a turning point for them. I don't want to talk too much about it, but like I said, I, I, I'm very excited to talk about this one. I love this album. Um, so yeah, that's it. Awesome, man. Well, we'll see y'all next, next time. That's right. All right. Sweet. Nice reaching out, sir. Later. Thank you.